You are listening to ACPN. Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. Uh, this is Russ Burlingame and Zach Roberts. Hello. And uh, this is part three of our uh, planned five part look at the Jack Ryan offerings that uh, Hollywood has so far given us. There are five feature films and a season of TV. Uh, this episode is going to be looking at episodes three and four of the Amazon Prime Jack Ryan TV show, as well as the film Clear and Present Danger, which starred uh, Harrison Ford in his second time as Jack Ryan, uh, and also his last, because oh. these movies actually made a, a good chunk of money. I just assume it's a it's a Harrison Ford thing. Yeah, just moved on. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, the the plot of the TV show is kind of hard to explain because the the episodes that we are watching are kind of right smack in the middle. One of them is actually like a almost a digression, and it's it's clearly going to be important down the line. But there's a, an entire episode that's almost entirely about the wife of Suleiman, the bad guy. Yeah. And uh, how she's trying to essentially escape from him along with her daughters. And uh, we were talking about it before we went on mic that like the actress is good. The story is compelling enough, but it really reminds me of an actual Tom Clancy novel where he goes into like the, the Moby Dick of it all where it's just like, yeah, I just for some reason have a 40 minute digression into this other thing. That's like kind of related and pretty interesting, but like not at all necessary yeah yeah i mean it again it like it i don't know if there was uh either if we had like an idea that this was going to be i don't know it's it's like missing something there's a lot of shows that do that but this one feels like it's not i don't know not doing it either enough or doing it too much or or it's just the fact that you know there's um I don't know. Like, it just doesn't have that feeling of, uh, of, um, of, of, of having really that much of a point to spend that much time on it. Like, I feel like you could have done it in about half the amount of time, figured out, Oh, this woman exists and she's fleeing and she's going to be somewhat important to the plot moving forward. Yeah. And there you go. Like, I mean, uh, the part of it for me is that felt like an episode that you make in you know, Homeland or Arrow, something yeah, that has a, like yeah. a 22 episode season. And yeah. so you really have a lot of time to spread your wings and you need to fill that time with something compelling. And so yeah. you take a, kind of the seed of an idea and you force it to blossom under like a hothouse light. Yeah. And that, 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 and that also is on a show that is more of a, uh, a cast driven thing as opposed to, Jack Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like any time that, you know, it's just like, I don't know, I was flashback to like, what am I, Luther. Like, mm-hmm. if they spent 40 minutes on dealing with a character that wasn't Luther on the yeah. show, Luther, it would be weird. On Homicide Life on the Streets, it's fine. 
Yeah. You can literally deal with a random, you know, side character. And they did that and they did that well. Um, especially, especially it's like one of those things that I feel like, you know, three seasons in, like yeah. you, you, See, you, when you're not, I've like, I need a break from Jack Ryan for like a, a 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Like, give, yeah. me, give me that. Yeah. No. And that's, that's exactly kind of what I was thinking is like, part of the reason I think that it felt, and again, like it was actually a, a good episode in terms of yeah. like, it, it was a well-made episode of television. It was well acted and it was a compelling story, but you do kind of just watch the whole thing going like, really, this is, this is 10% of your first season. Like yeah. you haven't, you have not done enough world building within the universe of the Jack Ryan TV show for us to really invest in side characters in the way that I think that they want you to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. And yeah. And, and honestly, I just, I, this, the, the, the way that they're having this kind of world is just so, I just feel like it's done. Like mm-hmm. I, again, I mean, I was like, I've said, I, I think we both agreed it before. Where it was just like, it would have been really cool if they didn't have a Islamic, terrorist thing going on yeah it's 2018 like we got okay (laughs) yeah like it's just there's so many fucking shows that do this every single season on every single cable network and it's just like i would have actually rather i mean it actually been so much more and i think i think we've already dealt with this before but like why not have a russian plot you know like and i and probably maybe we'll do that next season or whatever but it's just like uh, to me, it would have been like, holy shit, that would have been fucking fantastic in the first season while all this shit's going on. And it's just like, ah, uh, yeah, okay. And everybody's everybody's tired and sad and, you know, mm-hmm. moping. And like, yeah, we have a couple brief moments where like the kids are happy playing, but then it's immediately down to like, oh, there's a looming rape threat every yeah. fucking yeah. moment, which in general, I'm just, I, I, I think I've said this on other podcasts we've done where I'm just like, if if that's the best you can do writing yeah. wise that the woman's going to get raped then i'm i'm just kind of out like I, it, we have enough of it in real life <laughs> yeah i also i think it's really weird that okay so you have episode 3 that focuses on hanin and it's like this long slow winding episode and again like in yeah. a lot of ways a very good episode of television but it it, yeah, it, yeah. it slows the whole show to a screeching halt which is doubly noticeable because Jack Ryan himself is barely in it. And then you have episode four where there's literally enough plot for a three episode arc in episode four. Yeah. It's like, and and can we say the, the, um, and again, I I forget how much we talked about it before uh, in the previous episodes, uh but the fucking drone operator plot line. Yeah. Jesus. Not only does it feel a lot of this movie is, a lot of a lot of the show is stagey like mm-hmm. it feels less like a again a lived in world right. um like you said and but the drone thing and i get that it, i've been in i've been in an actual drone facility thing it does feel stagey yeah. but i feel like those those two actors like their dialogue i mean i'm sure they're fine but their dialogue is just so fucking atrocious and there's like these little inside jokes that where they pass a dollar back and forth and i go it's not, not only is it not deserved, it's not like, it, it's yeah. not, I mean, it's not earned. Like, 
is, is I've, I'm so I like I actually kind of cringe when I'm watching these scenes. Yeah. Again, because like it's this bullshit moral. Oh, one of them feels kind of bad about what they're doing, and one, you know, whatever the other one doesn't, or something. But, but I, then in three, he gets to not feel bad about what he's doing because he yeah. goes against orders to kill the rapist. Yeah. And it's like I, I I totally get what they're trying to do there, but yeah. I it, it's, it's a weird. Like to me, it's it's trying to suggest that drone operators are basically misrepresented in other forms of media because yeah. a lot of the time you see these guys, and the whole like shtick of it is that these are people who essentially no, like none of this is real to them. They're not boots on the ground soldiers, yeah. and and so like it's all kind of a yeah. game because it's literally like a video game it, it and, also goes against what the truth of it is not not even whether they're moral or whatever the whole thing is but the amount of intelligence that they have about these things they're yeah. not known they're not known about they're not told about things like they don't know about these things so it's, yeah it's just there's like this whole depth of these of these uh of these soldiers that or airmen I, I forget whether they're air force or or something else but i think they're uh, air force but yeah air force so airmen um uh, but like that that doesn't actually exist mm -hmm. and we're taking again we're taking this massive sidetrack in these in these characters away from the cia which it, whatever you want to say about the cia it's an interesting place to be yeah like, so it's like why are we giving this whole weird plot line which maybe in another season it'll pan out. Like, like I yeah, spo yeah. No, no spoilers, but like this this plot, this these two characters, these characters, like they don't really plan pan out. Right. <laughs> like I mean, honestly, this felt like a, a this felt that's in, in three. It felt yeah. like they could just be done with that story now. Yeah. Like I mean, granted, if they were done with that story, then the wacky thing with him doing the like the swingers who then beat him up, yeah, would have been it, like that was like straight up Twin Peaks kind of level of like what the fuckery, where yeah. it's just like he takes all his money, he goes to the casino, he bets he bets it all three times in a row, he wins it three times in a row, takes yeah. home thirty grand, has sex with a hot middle-aged woman, and then her husband, who enjoyed watching it, beats him up anyway because reasons, and then they leave and don't take his money. Yeah, and it's like that entire that was like six minutes of television yeah. where you're just like. <laughs> It, it, like you've seen the, you've seen the full season i haven't i'm watching it as, as we go does that ever come into play again no not at all so it is just like a david lynch thing it's just like this is a thing yeah. that happens yeah I, I i can't wait until we get to uh you get to see the next two because you'll you'll be i think it's in the next two that the one character pans out okay. um doesn't pan i mean doesn't pan out but this character this this small little side narrative plays out mm -hmm. and Oh my fucking god! <laughs> it's it's just so terrible. It's so terrible. <laughs> it like distinctly makes the show like honestly like more that more that I think about it and I've been rewatching it again uh, so that I just remember it because it's you know it's been a while since I watched the because I I binged it like the first day it was available yeah. and um which honestly again I think is like the way to watch it yeah I, I think you gotta you gotta watch it because. Then this, then episodes that are like this don't 
seem as much of a sidetrack. Yeah, well, and also you don't get the fridge logic of realizing two weeks later, like that whole thing didn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just, you cruise through it, which of course th this is a Carlton Cuse thing. Uh, he wrote both of the two episodes that we're talking about this time. He and Graham Roland, yeah. uh, Cuse of course, uh, worked for years on lost. Uh, and so a lot of the same things that we're complaining about here in terms of like dead end plots and, uh, like random sidetracks and things like that. Like, these were things that were done in Lost, and what they found in Lost is that sometimes they didn't work at all, and other times they were considered some of the best episodes of the show. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's baffling that three, like, has so much time spent on stuff that doesn't matter at all, and then four yeah. is like, holy shit, here's all this plot. It's like. Yeah. I'm going to overthrow ISIS and take Doctors Without Borders hostage. And that's like a third of what's going yeah. on. Like, yeah. okay. And, and so little is going to... And what, I, I just wish that they did more I, flashing back and forth. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I wish that there was more of a parallel lines of things going on. Right. Um, which you which, did see elements of that in three, especially with the, the drone operator and, uh, um, now I'm yeah. her name. No, well, I'm just, I mean, Jack, I mean, with, with the Jack, you know, the Jack Ryan narrative, right. um, the show is Jack Ryan. Um, right. <laughs> again, if this show was like Tom Clancy's CIA, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. If they called it like Rainbow world. Six or whatever the hell they, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and the weird thing is with the, the weird thing is with the drone operators is that there's not this like they're not CIA drone operators or something, you know, I mean, they're not like, there's not this direct, yeah, like, you don't have a CIA dude in the room. If you had Jack Ryan standing in the room behind him going, you know, saying something, be like, yeah. fuck it. I don't care. You know? Okay, cool. It's or like giving literal, any sort of direction. It's a literal deus ex machina. It's like, these guys have nothing at all to do with the plot, but they're going to shape events by virtue of the fact that like they can drop a bomb and change the course of yeah. the story. Which it, you know, I mean, would be which is a kind of a thing that should can definitely be focused yeah. on yeah but again like then adding this weird kind of backstory with this dude um and and i'll just say this i mean like absolutely fucking nothing with the woman yeah nothing yeah. whatsoever we don't know who this woman is she's just a random hispanic she's, woman she's like, just the woman who's better at his job than him uh, yeah. but is totally cold and unfeeling about killing people. So we're supposed to sympathize more because, with him than yeah. with her. Yeah. 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 Because he's a conflicted soul. Right. <laughs> um, never mind. He's signed it up for it and has obviously done this for a while. And yeah, at least yeah. it doesn't, you know, anyway. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> uh, again, parts of these shows aren't necessarily for us, which is something. Yeah. I try no, to no, absolutely. And I mean, still... that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of this show is not meant for people who think critically about the military and the CIA and foreign policy, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, here's, but here's the thing, which is true, which is, which, which is true. But the, one of the problems is, is that Tom Clancy has always oh, yeah. been, I mean, the kind of fake thinking man's like, you know, thing, but still, I mean, like he doesn't, he doesn't want to go in it. There's Jack Ryan doesn't, is not a person is not a character who wants to go in and blow up stuff. And right. he is, you know, at least in other versions of the stories and things like that, he's more of a historian and a thinker than he is a doer. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, again, because of 
plot reasons he's he's that it's not necessarily because he's not incapable of it right um, and, and of course part of it too is uh i actually was going to say earlier like we need to ha- we need to start a drinking game and sure. like take take a shot every time somebody in in one of these things says some variation on you know for an analyst you really seem to like being in the yeah. field uh, cause I think we got that in three and we got that in clear and present danger. Yeah. I, I, I think in some form or another, it's been, whether it's been the joke or whether it's been the implied sort of thing, right. I think it's been in everything so far and which is fucking weird considering we have, you know, like, has no one read this guy's doc, like read yeah. this guy's yeah. thing where it's like, yeah, no, I guess it's top secret in this one i'm trying yeah. i'm trying to remember why it's not like yeah anyway I, i'm not sure i feel like i mean part of it in this one is i feel like there's a bunch of people who just like they're they're working with the french and yeah it's like I, the, the french probably don't know anything about who yeah, these yeah. guys are it's just like oh the americans sent a guy he's going to help us there's going to yeah. be funding involved um, yeah <laughs> But uh, and, the, we're the funny thing about, that, and we're gonna have a drone that doesn't actually have night vision or anything else, so we're gonna yeah, lose it yeah. anyway. But yeah. But uh, the funny thing about the funny thing about the the like fake thinking's man thinking man's <laughs> spy movie is that like that's exactly what clear and present danger is. Like clear and present danger is kind of the opposite of a lot of the things we were talking about. Like it's very critical of foreign policy, and it's very critical of kind of the cynical ways that American politicians take advantage of, you know, at that time it was the drug war. It, you could just transpose it to be the war on terror now. And yeah. it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Or it's the like, drug war. Yeah. I mean, the drug war still, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but it's like, it's like just t- pick something that has basically an unlimited budget and that yeah. people like no politician ever questions because they would, they wouldn't get reelected. Yeah. And you can you can stamp that thing over whatever it is in in clear and present danger, and then make the story work for every era. Because yeah. it you know it's 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 much more timeless than Patriot Games in that way. You know, Patriot Games yeah. felt very much like a capsule of the moment it was being made, and. Uh, I don't want to compare it to this one too much because we spent pretty much the whole Patriot Games review being like, I can't wait till we're talking about the other one. It's better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. this one was the one that I remember, you know, being 15 or whatever it was and just watching the hell out of the VHS tape because my dad liked all of these movies and Clear and Present Danger was the one that was – at once the most kind of compelling and the easiest to understand. Oh yeah. Cause like in hindsight, hunt for red October is a much better film, but it's, if you're 14, 15 years old, there's a lot there that's going to go over your head. Well, there's a lot of standing around in, in a <laughs> yeah, giving commands. Too. It's a pure submarine movie, you know, like that's, you can watch like the, again, I think we, again, we talked about this during the episode, but yeah. it's like, you can go back into the, into the, I think it was fifties and sixties and watch those. And basically it's, it's like those except done so much better. Yeah. The modern <laughs> like, technology yeah. and filmmaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I really liked the idea that, 
you've got a, a mainstream movie with Harrison Ford in it that cost 60 million to make or whatever it was where they were basically like, yeah, like the president signs off on this kind of shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's a very weirdly um, subversive film. Obviously yeah. you have this, the hero of the film, uh, the boy scout is the mm -hmm. uh, deputy director of the CIA. So it's, yeah. it's, weirdly it don't, it's like kind of a double thing where it's like wow no this guy could be like a rogue you know lefty basically in this administration in this republic like generic republican administration yeah i mean i don't know if it's actually you know democrat or not it's just, or republican uh, i forget i don't think that they ever say one way or the other um but it's still like it it reminds me of george bush like yeah yeah generically no. And uh, uh, which again, it has that like the fact that the president is a little bit, he's very tough, but he's also kind of spineless. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it reminds me of the first George Bush. <laughs> which is funny because so. uh, the vice president, who of course was played by, uh, I can never remember his name, but the guy from Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Uh, he always reminds me, uh, or he, he reminds me of, of Dick. <laughs> like, 100% reminds me of Dick Cheney. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> of Dick Cheney, yeah. <laughs> and so the whole idea of uh, the, the president in this movie reminding you of uh, of George Bush Sr. Yeah. And then his his right hand being like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to be essentially yeah. Dick Cheney at a time when Dick Cheney wasn't what he would become later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it always was. I mean, and it's and it's and it'd be interesting to know whether a the casting was inspired by or or anything else because yeah, I mean, he, he was a he was a known figure like uh, like oh, Rumsfeld yeah. and 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 things like that. Um, so I mean, it's just not in the way that the vice president or even in right. the way that we know. You know, I mean, at least I don't I don't think that uh, the general public didn't know maybe who the defense secretary was the way that they did during the Iraq war. Yeah. Um, even during wartime, you didn't really know. Uh, well, I guess until before Vietnam or something like that. But um, so it's, <laughs> it is interesting because he is kind of perfect in that way. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, what's kind of funny is that I, I did not realize this uh, maybe because I'm a, a week behind, but that actor, Harris Yulin, uh is actually still active and uh the reason that i say maybe that maybe i don't know this because i'm a week behind is because apparently he appeared in an episode of the new murphy brown oh shit i i i uh unfortunately i'm i i'm backlogged on uh, murphy brown as well I, I watched the first episode which by the way was fantastic i thought at least um but uh that's interesting it's also distinctly possible that it hasn't aired yet because it just oh, says true. it just says you know one episode as Professor Talbot. <laughs> uh, I don't think. Yeah, but I don't think it was in the first episode. But but yeah, he's also been recently in Unbreakable Kimmy, Sch Kimmy Schmidt, Ozark, and Billions. So it seems like he is staying busy in spite of being, uh, let's see, eighty years old. So I guess I mean, I mean, it'd be, it'd be kind of funny because he actually would play a, uh, he'd, I wonder if he'd still, I, I don't, I can't, I can't remember what he looks like now, uh, but um, he, he probably play still play a great Dick Cheney and there's, yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> was it uh, uh fuck who is I'm blanking on Batman. Um, uh, Christopher or Christian Bale. 
Yeah, Christian Bale is playing Cheney, which holy shit, that is terrifying. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's an it's an interesting. Um, and, and first of all, I thought he was the vice president. He's not. He's the he's uh, he's in the CIA, and he's just happens to be the president's right hand man. Oh, okay. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought I thought he was something else, uh, chief of staff or something something like that as well. Yeah, but, maybe because yeah. he's deputy director of deputy director of operations at least at the beginning of the film, according to uh, okay. the, uh, the official like synopsis on the Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. And so uh, I don't know if he loses deputy director and becomes part of the cabinet when Jack gets promoted, or if uh, it's just two different deputy directorships. Well, yeah, I know he's just deputy director of the intelligence intelligence or something yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah and this is the one too i remember being like it's funny because having watched this one so many times as a kid you kind of forget that greer is a huge part of all of these and he's not just constantly off the board yeah because in the two uh in the two Harrison Ford movies, probably because James Earl Jones uh, was older and heavier and couldn't do a lot of the action stuff, yeah. Greer's main job was to say a few inspiring things and then stay out of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's funny because when you read the books or when you watch the other films or the TV show, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Greer, like he's a he's he's a thing. <laughs> He's not just the fatherly figure, uh, basically, yeah, yeah. to uh, to Ford. Yeah, um, the wise old black man. Yeah, even though I wonder, I wonder what their age difference is actually. <laughs> Probably about six years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always that's always the thing where it's just like, oh, you got to have the the twenty five year old uh, yeah. mother who has a sixteen year old kid. Yeah, but the well, dad can be any age. <laughs> and and well, the thing of it too is that you get the. Uh, uh, you get the weird uh, cog kind of cognitive dissonance of the fact that when uh, James Earl Jones started his career and started to get really famous, movies yeah. were still black and white. Yeah. But it, it wasn't that long before that changed over. So it's like you yeah. think of him and you think of uh, like Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. But Dr. Strangelove was what, eight years before Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. Not that much difference. And so, yeah, one of those things where you're just like, yeah, that's that's there's not actually that much difference in their age. I mean, it probably is a little bit more than six years. It's probably a more like 10. But like, yeah, yeah. The, the fact that he was already the, de the deputy director when Jack was recruited, you're like, that doesn't actually track, but it, it works for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a 11 year difference in age. Mm -hmm. um, and also because, oh, holy shit. Um, yeah. James Earl Jones has been acting in film since 1948. Yeah, I was so, going to say, he started he young. He was 17. He was, uh, but yeah. he was in On the Waterfront, right? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. I I uh, don't think I've, I actually can say I've never actually watched On the Waterfront because by the time I got to like realizing, A, that I hadn't seen it yet, I had already found out that the fucking director is a piece of shit. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't watch fucking scab movies uh, <laughs> or not scab, not even scab movies, but fucking <laughs> people who work with fucking McCarthy. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I, I misremembered anyway. It wasn't, it wasn't on the waterfront that I'm thinking of, and I can't remember what I'm thinking of. Uh, <laughs> but like, I'm looking at his early stuff, trying to figure out what it was that I was picturing in my head. And I, for the life of me, can't, Oh, the great white hope probably. Cause it was right around that same time as 1970. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, it's funny because he was uh, talk about the uh, talk about getting meta with this movie. He was yeah. in uh, the Alan Quatermain and the Lost City of Gold feature film. Okay, uh, which <laughs> if you know anything about Alan Quatermain, that's the character that Indiana Jones was based on. Oh, and so he played a character in the Alan Quatermain movie, and then went on to star a few years later with. Uh, Harrison Ford and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's also funny because Alan Quatermain is the movie that Harrison Ford or that Indiana Jones was pretty clearly based on, but then they made the movie in 1986 after temple of doom and, and Raiders had already come out. And yeah. so the Alan Quatermain movie is a shameless Indiana Jones ripoff. <laughs> And so you have this weird snake eating its tail thing where it's just like, yes, we're going to make a movie based on the character that Indiana Jones was stolen from, but we're going to steal everything we can from Indiana Jones in order to do it. Yeah. And then we're also going to make our sexy leading man, Richard Chamberlain, who not only was never the level of stardom that would have had to support that kind of movie, but also like you do get the thing where to be the womanizing leading man, you have to be not one of the few like known homosexual leading men of the eighties. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does help at least during the eighties. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing is that nowadays that wouldn't matter. Yeah. Like, as much, but, yeah. but I mean, it might to some people, but not very many, but yeah. certainly in the eighties when there was like three people who you just knew were gay, who actually made decent money in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, having one of them be the womanizing leading man is like that, that probably won't work for yeah. a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I'm just amused by the fact that there's the weird James Earl Jones, Harrison Ford connection with Alan Quatermain and Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one, I also think that one of the things that uh, clear and present danger does really well. And this is similar to what I think, uh, hunt for red october did really well is that mm -hmm. there's just a bunch of moving pieces mm -hmm. but at no point do you feel kind of and kind of like you did in in episode four of jack ryan where you're just like how is all of this going on at the same time and how is any of it connected yeah yeah and it is a little different like if if episode four the wolf was a movie and it had all that stuff going on and there was kind of no beginning and no end to it then it would be different than like having it as one of the middle episodes of a TV show. You do have to give it that little bit of benefit of the doubt of like, okay guys, th this is like, we're not, I'm not bagging on it yeah. because there are times when you're in the, like the middle of a story that things get super crazy. Mm -hmm. But when I look at four, I'm just like, I can't remember half of what I saw. And granted I saw it like in two sittings, Yeah. but I can't remember half of what was going on in that episode. And, and, but with clear and present danger, it's like there was basically as much plot going on yeah. and it wasn't that long a movie. So yeah. it's not like they, they played it out over a super decompressed timeline, but I just feel like it, the, the time management was there and things were given the weight that they needed, not the weight that like 
the screenwriter wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you were able to they they spent a good amount of time with almost every character the the almost the exact amount of time that they needed to with every character so that you either cared about them like even Moira mm-hmm. um like I cared when she died um yeah. because they did this weird thing where you know they gave the two female basically characters in the film um yeah. they gave them their own little plot storyline where they know each other and and they went out to dinner and was able to inter interconnect that with things and like i think that again i haven't read the books but like i one of the things i admire most about this film is is the way that they were able to involve all of the characters um kind of in the plot where the wife isn't just like you know i mean hunt for october wife's gone in the first 15 minutes, or yeah, first five yeah. minutes three minutes of the film like she barely makes it past the opening credits and i don't they, i don't know if she's i don't remember if she's seen again i think um, so because they have the the thing with the teddy bear or whatever oh or, yeah well mm, i don't even know if she sees it again but uh whether because <coughs> I, mean, um, I i feel like that movie just ended when it ended but yeah I do well, feel like that with a plane on the, the, uh, Oh the yeah, that's right. That's right. Next like, to him. You're yeah. right. You're right. It didn't go back yeah. home. Yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't even do the diehard thing where at least, you know, <laughs> yeah. the bear was able to be reconnected or something. Um, but they, they do this to the really great thing where it's just like every single character is connected in some way. And which again, in a spy thriller, like, which again, this did the generic kind of action film of the nineties really well. And it did a spy thriller almost, you know, I don't want to go so far as like John Le Carre or anything like that. But like, because that's usually just like, we're going to make things complicated and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Usually it's pulled off. Like all of his, all the movies that are made of his books are quite good usually, at least the ones that I've seen. Um, And and they make sense and they're done well. And there's character, why all the characters are connected makes sense. But like this, was actually surprising because it doesn't need to do this, do that at yeah. all. Um, and, you know, I mean, to the point where it's just like, you know, she gets killed in the, uh, in the, the cabin and the voice message is the net is the lead to the next thing. And like, they probably could have made just out of clear and present danger. I feel like just with this, what they have in this film, you could actually yeah. flesh it out into maybe a short run, se- like mini series or something like that. But like the tightness of it, we, were able to even know enough about um, the the Latin Jack Ryan, um, yeah, yeah, whose name yeah. I'm blanking on. I can't remember, uh, but yeah. Yeah, uh, but you were able to know enough about him, and he had a whole full lived-out backstory yeah. that was done in a handful of conversations, um, which is something that is missing from, I think, the Jack Ryan, or the, the TV show a lot, um, yeah. where they they feel the necessary to show everything in its entirety mm-hmm. as opposed to tell, yeah. um, <laughs> which is something like they're, it's not, I don't know. It's either not talking enough um, or, and it's not actioning enough, which is my, which is kind of like the comparison between the two of them, especially with that, that one episode where, yes, I'm very happy to find out the backstory of uh, the terrorist's wife and feel compassion for her. But, most of what you see on screen, there's no reason for us to see it. It could have been filled with other stuff. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Even like developing Jack Ryan's relationship, which I don't, I don't really want to see any of that. I don't give a shit. Um, but like, if this is going to be like a, the idea is going to be a long run series, like obviously that's going to play into things. I personally, in my action films, I don't want any fucking romance. I fucking hate it. Um, <laughs> like, um, you know, especially considering usually that means that at some point she's going to be kidnapped. Like yeah. that's, that's literally nine times out of 10. The only reason they develop a female character, especially one that isn't a fellow spy or something like that. She's just not just a doctor. She just, yeah. She's just a very highly paid and highly trained doctor at a, at yeah. a medical facility. But like, it will play out not at all. Like I mean, it plays out within this this the the narrative of this film a little bit uh, or a TV show. But like, yeah. you know, long term, it's like, well, she's not gonna be. I doubt she's gonna be part of the CIA. So it's like, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's I I don't disagree though, and it, it is funny because you mentioned that, and it's like the more I think about it, the more it's like, yeah, you know, like again, I'm kind of with you, and I don't actually need romantic subplots in these things but yep. at the same time it's a tv show not a movie and so you're not eating time from something else if you develop those relationships yeah. uh and so it almost kind of feels like it's a missed opportunity not to because like in season two now they're gonna have to spend time doing that um <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I mean, and again, I, I, the impression that I got from the early episodes is that season two, we're going to see her dad get kidnapped or some kind of insanity. So she was probably going to be part of it no matter what. But yeah, um, yeah, no. I, yeah I, again, I just I that's it's just one of those things where like we're female characters, especially like kids or, you know, uh, love interests are just literally they're props you know like yeah. they're like oh well it's not the guy doesn't want the money stolen so it's his wife that's stolen you yeah. know it's like yeah. he's trying to get back this rare antique um or he's trying to get back his wife and it doesn't really matter either like the plot you could change the plot and rewrite things and it'd be perfectly yeah. fine yeah um, the, uh <laughs> kelly kelly sue deconic's thing uh about you know if if you can do the entire story and your female character could be yeah. replaced with a sexy lamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And it, and it, and it, because it's interesting. Cause like in, I feel like they're going to develop her character more that she's going to be more practical mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just, I mean, I guess the lamp is really practical but <laughs> <laughs> while, while in a narr in a, in a spy narrative, a wife isn't really practical. She's right, just right. kind of, I don't know. I don't know why they put like and a wife or husband, significant other, love interest, whatever. Like I've been watching, uh, catching up on Blacklist, mm -hmm. and uh, which is overall a good show, except that um, the main character, the 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 female lead, is basically she's supposed to be the like action-driven star that goes through it, and you could tell that in the first like in the first season, um, they were trying really hard on that, but the writing and like the character herself, like she's just not a believable like action star type person. Yeah. And, but they kept like giving her moments where she was crying and like, it just, just not being the hero. And I, that sounds bad, but like just not being like 
heroic in the way that like she fa- like she failed because she wasn't trained well enough and because of these things yeah she didn't, she didn't take the time to do the things that she needed to do because she was thrown into this mess and then the uh oh my god i'm blinking on the uh he was on boston ultron uh james yes. spader yes james spader um spader's character it basically they like four or five f of six maybe episodes in he swoops in and basically makes the show really interesting because he he becomes basically the main character now because his character is a lot more fucking interesting because he actually knows what the fuck he's doing um (laughs) but it's just one of those like it's now she's basically the wife she basically plays she's being constantly kidnapped or shot or her baby's being kidnapped or or potentially killed or drowned and whatever and it's just this continuing thing where i'm like at some point there was a four or five episode arc in the show where she was supposed to be dead. I think, I think it was yeah. supposed to be dead, not kidnapped. And she was gone from the show. And they're like, those are the best episodes of the show because fucking things happen because we weren't constantly going meanwhile in. And yeah. Yeah. That's what like, that's what like they said. <laughs> it's a long rant of because, because it was just one of those, like, I don't know what the demo is when they, they do this. Like, there's certain things like skyscraper actually didn't do that that bad um and um even it's weird mostly most of the rock films <laughs> like stupid action films yeah, they have yeah. a female lead a wife or an ex-wife or a girl that's you know the love interest or whatever and like it was always a rampage you know i mean was she i'm trying to remember whether she was like she saved him once or twice and like it evened out and it's whole thing. Yeah. And it's like, I don't understand. I mean, that wasn't that much of a love interest. There was the, you know, large monkey, large ape making sex jokes, yeah, um, yeah. which was a thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, that was a long unneeded rant about, I guess why, uh, <laughs> why we need, well, basically why we need less women in films, <laughs> which that's what it sounds sounded like, but, but but <laughs> no, I mean the, the thing of it is that's not that's not what what it is though. It's literally just that every every character has to have utility, and part of the problem is that you get people who write women to have no utility, yeah. and that's like that's just as big a problem as having no women in the film. Like yeah. if if the women that you have are there to do the same three things that every female character since the beginning of time has done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that said, well, I, I agree with you. Bechdel, I mean, it's basically the Bechdel. T- I don't know if she passes the Bechdel test in this. Yeah. Um, even when they flash back to her office and she's doing real fucking work, um, a very important work that will pan out. I forget whether it's panned out or not, but it will pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, because again, we have to have cross sections. Every conversation she has with one of her coworkers is like, "Oh, did he text you yet? Yeah, oh, is he yeah. doing whatever? Oh, he's a he's more of a type B or a C or something, which I don't even know what a fucking type C is." But, no. uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. I mean, and again, that's kind of why. It, in clear and present danger, it's it's a minor miracle that she comes off as well as she does because, yeah. in like in Patriot Games, she was interesting enough, but they basically her the whole arc for her was they were just hiding her because the bad guys were targeting his family, and so this is a movie where like she exists, she does stuff, but she's not 
the target <laughs> and she's not yeah you know so so it's that thing of like oh you get to see, you get to see her actually kind of function as an independent character for a good chunk of the movie yeah uh, and and she's doing what she would do like yeah, yeah it's just like this is what if you're the you know if you're a doctor and you're a smart person and your husband is a CIA or like whatever i assume that this is what your life is like you know, yeah, oh, and yeah. it's just like, and also, like, I really like the like the moments where it's just like, oh, be safe, hon, before he's off to go to fucking Colombia, which, like, now isn't that big of a deal, but like then that was like, oh, you're off to go to fucking Iraq or go off to Baghdad, sure. Um, at least that was the level of fear that was driven, and whether that was true or not. Yeah. Uh, at least as an American, you know, potential for kidnapping or whatever else. Um, it's well, you're a fucking CIA agent, so like it's also doubly. But it's just like one of those, like, no, we're old hat, we're into this. We know, like, good luck, you know, stay safe, and that's it. Yeah. Like, the, and there's no, oh, I got to check in my, you know, my wife, and you know, I got to check back with her. I'm getting yeah. constant text messages, or which is all these annoying fucking things that women are portrayed at. Like, I really like how she is, how as as oh if there's female characters or that are in his family. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Even the little, little bit that Anna Paquin gets in this film, um, like is, is good. Like the daughters, the, the kids aren't yeah. props even, well, I mean, even in Patriot games, they weren't that bad. Like, no, obviously they ended up being the focus, but they were, they weren't, weren't, um, like, I had to, I have to carry this child, physically carry this child. And that's the reason I'm going to end up dying. You know, it's just whatever. It's not, it's not annoying in that way, which is, which I give big props to the, uh, the writers and director uh, of the, of the both of these films, because mm -hmm. it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think I, I, I'm, we were kind of all over the place with this yeah. one. So I'm trying to think <laughs> if there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on. Um, I, I, I do feel like this is one of those this is one of those like West Wing style White Houses where it's just like stuff goes on in the White House that would just never ever happen. <laughs> it's like, no, we're gonna let you we're gonna let this angry person who just got blown up and is bleeding from the face come in and have a one on one screaming match with the president in the oval. Yeah. That's that's not a problem at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean I, I get he would get some level of honor. Uh, because he just went through this shit, but also yeah, like, yeah. I, if the, like the level of shit that's going on, obviously a lot of the people are taken out or either they, they're killed or they're um, kind of disassociated with the administration. At least you get the implication by the time that he's in the white house where I go there though. I don't also necessarily believe that, that at the end of this film, that he'd be alive no. <laughs> or potent or at minimum that he'd be still working in the administration, even before he, Re uh, reamed out the president in the Oval Office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why it's very, yeah, again, very as you said, very West Wingy. Like, best, best ambitions and everything. Yeah, but. yeah. I just, I, I think that scene just made me think of the uh, the scene from the American President, where yeah. uh, one of my favorite scenes ever to feature like a president, which is the the thing where, uh. God, I can't even remember the line, but Martin Sheen got that great zinger that was basically like, if I wasn't here, you'd still be teaching economics at the University of Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he would later become president. But exactly. Anyway. <laughs> In a slightly different universe. Yes. Very, yes. Only very slightly. Yes. 
<laughs> I, I I will again though. I'm surprised um, because they didn't. I don't think that they needed to. Uh, which I mean, I, obviously they needed to in a way. But again, the like cast of characters that uh, the casting, whoever did the casting on this film, like is better than most most action films in 2018 when it comes to having main heroic characters that are not just white dudes. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, you think about every single fucking action film SWAT team type show or movie or whatever that's that's come in and like, yeah, they're all just big white dudes with lots of tattoos. And you're like, the one guy that fucking survives is is Hispanic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and then you go back like there's women and there's men and there's people of color like doing important things at the CIA. And yeah. it's never mentioned, which I, I, I also dig like it. And it's, and it's just like really shocking to me <laughs> because it's just like, it's just a matter of fact. Yeah, no, this is, this is what it is. Like, yeah, very cool. <laughs> uh, which I mean, again, it's one of those things that you, you look back at some of the movies from, like the late eighties, early nineties yeah. before there was really a discussion about representation that reached the mainstream. Yeah. And it's like, there's something really special about the movies that actually do have representation at that time, because it feels it, it, whether it is or not, it feels less calculated. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you get the thing of like, Oh no, they're doing this because like, it's the way that you do things. <laughs> I also, I also dig like it's. It was one of those like clearly all these guys are like great for the role. Like yeah. they seem natural. Like there's no like oh let's have the smart cool looking black kid in this role or something. Yeah, I mean whatever. Yeah. It, none, none of it feels whatever. <laughs> but like what I also love is that like there's no <laughs> there's like no one pretty in this film. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the thing I love. Like there's so many gorgeous people and good looking people in the Jack Ryan show. I mean, yeah, like oh, yeah. obviously Harrison Ford like has his own mystique or whatever, but like he's an old guy already in this film. Um, and, and, and he's just like, you know, not trying to look hot. There's no muscle shot or whatever that mm -hmm. you'd have even at a guy like how old is the rock now? He's like 65 and looks like, but like, yeah. <laughs> like um, something I'm sorry. It's like all these guys, like where it's, but um, you know, he's not, but uh, like everyone that works in the CIA, I, if you told me, Oh no, that person actually works in the CIA and does that job. I'd be like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean like <laughs> just, you know, I don't, is there a woman <laughs> like <laughs> I'm trying to remember, is there like an attractive young woman in the movie uh -huh. uh, other than his wife? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I mean, not certainly not at the CIA. Like yeah. there was, I mean, there there was that brief scene with the redhead in uh, Patriot Games, um, but like that was literally a plot point. Like just yeah. get yeah. to remember. But uh, I I also dig like when because it's just like you know I'm sure that there are gorgeous people that work in it, but anyone who spends enough time in Washington D.C. Yeah, you go like especially once you get above the like the low end pay grades and people are like, people don't care. They're just going to work. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're not dressed really well. They're, they're slubby. Like it's your DC, like <laughs> you're working in the basement somewhere of some building, nondescript building, like every building, half the buildings in DC. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. 
Uh, I, I will say that like all of the comparisons that we made unfavorable to Patriot games, uh, this is the same filmmaker. So it's not like we're like, like it, it, it clearly is just a matter of, I, I, I don't know if it's learning things for, and again, like Patriot games was a good movie. It just wasn't great. Uh, but it, it clearly to me feels yeah. like either he learned some things or it was just that the screenplay was better, but like something is going on where it's like, there's, there's, there's definitely a feeling of a shared world. It doesn't feel like we rebooted in between movies. Like you sometimes get when you like the, the Harry Potter movies, for instance, when it was like every two movies, they would have a new director and the director was always some like big star who was doing some cool indie thing. And so it was yeah. like every couple of movies, suddenly it looks and feels totally different. Yeah. Um, they, you didn't get this here. It was very much like, it very much felt like a continuity, but it, 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 it did feel like this one was more kind of fully realized and uh, oh, yeah. no no I mean, kind of makes yeah. me wonder what he would have done with a sequel to the bone collector <laughs> <laughs> yeah true <laughs> and uh he he did a random thing but he uh he directed the pilot a, a few years ago for crisis which was an nbc pilot i don't remember anything about it but uh that segued into him doing the giver yeah. which was uh, uh, another, it was like a, another book adaptation, but it was like a YA adaptation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, right. with the giver, he, he actually had Brenton Thwaites in it, who is uh, Robin on the Titans show that just launched, uh, which is something that we, we need to look at in the next couple of episodes. Definitely. Uh, but yeah. Uh, any other kind of final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I mean, personally, if, if uh, if you're gonna watch, I think if you're gonna watch one Jack Ryan film, I think that this is it. Yeah. Um, I I like Hunt, Hunt for Hunt for October is the best film, like yeah, filmically and whatever. Um, yeah. but Clear Present Danger is not only the most Jack Ryan. I mean, again, film world only, but the yeah, most yeah. Jack Ryan film of the Jack Ryan kind of universe. I think. Yeah. Um, that kind of sums up everything into one one big thing. And it's also, it also is a film that works still the most. Um, there's not much that I think you could change. I mean, like, I think today it would just be set in Mexico. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's a, and it's interesting. I've, now that I think about it, we should have, we should have like talked about, oh, you haven't seen the sequel to Sicario yet. No, um, not which yet. Which is um, barely watchable, unfortunately. Um, but it would be because it has a very, not a very similar, very similar plotline, but a kind of a similar idea where, um, you know, CIA and or military, you know, government agencies are getting involved in yeah. in trying to take out cartels, and they're kind of working with cartels to take out other cartels and mm -hmm. all this jazz. And then there's, but there's a different, you know, thing. But um, but it's done. Like this is done so much fucking better. <laughs> <laughs> like just so much better. Um, but uh, you know the Sicario kind of I think ended up eating itself under under the Trump administration, yeah. Um, where it was just like, no, we have to do more badness. I don't yeah. know what. Like, uh, uh, but no. <laughs> <laughs> it it is hard to make a movie about kind of people who uh, people who are kind of corrupt despite good intentions, yeah. uh, when you need to make them unlikable and meanwhile the actual government is corrupt but without good intentions yeah exactly 
And so, yeah, I can see how a sequel to Sicario would need to like up the ante to such a spectacular degree that it wouldn't make sense anymore. Yeah. I mean, that, that uh, that's a whole different rant, which yeah. uh, at some point, I'll, I'll force you to watch it so we can just yeah I, I, but uh we <laughs> i intend because... to uh we we need to pair that one up with something because i feel like if it's if it's as bad yeah. as i kind of expect it to be then pairing it with something will give us more to talk about than 15 minutes of just uh, yeah yeah why why did you ruin what is solid what the first one's such a solidly good film it's like basically yeah. you're going from and I, I don't think even the first one's that good um, but like going from the matrix to matrix two, like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh my fucking God. Wait, was it, was it the sequel that had the like albino twins or whatever it was? Uh, I think it was the second the, and the second or third or both of them had it. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. I feel like the, they were a big part of the, the big chase scene in the second one though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause yeah. that, that was the thing I remember is that like, even everybody hated the second one, but like the people who liked it clung desperately to that chase scene as being like, no, look at that. It's so, and then all I could think later was, uh, that, that the, uh, the Wachowskis took that way too seriously and then made an entire movie out of that chase scene, which was, uh, speed racer. <laughs> oh God. What? what was that film? Uh, you know, I haven't seen it since I haven't seen it since it was new. And I've heard so many people tell me like, no, it's really great in hindsight. And I feel like it might be a Josie and the Pussycats thing it's where not, like, you have to, no, no, it's not. No. It's, I, I've watched it in the last uh, five years for some fucking reason. I think it was just on and yeah. it was still, it's just, it's perplexing because it's <laughs> a film that you watch and you're like, how just, you keep watching things happen. You're like, how did this get made? Like yeah. scene by scene, because, you know, most films that you're like, oh, how did this get made? There are scenes in it that you're like, oh, I see how this film was cleared. But or this this portion of the film, like how they got the dailies back. And and the studio was like, yes, you can continue doing this. Here is some more money, um, you know, or here is more film stock, whatever. I don't know. You know, I don't know how it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this film, I just go, they must have done it in secret. Um, and I know it was after, I know it was after the matrix is like, so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, film directors just be like, they, whatever, you know, I mean, again, I mean, I guess you probably could look at avatar and go, how did this film get made? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I still watch it. And, and last time I saw it, I, it was like, wait, no, see, but seriously, how did any of this film get made? I don't even want to get into the conversation of how did this film gross a fucking billion dollars or billion yeah. and a half or whatever the fuck it is but that's a whole different conversation uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah no i i i the only thing i remember about that movie other than the fact that i didn't like it when i saw it you know 10 years ago 15 years ago yeah. is uh after the notor the notorious kind of group sex thing in savage dragon <laughs> yes. uh, how does this come up like three times this week well <laughs> Uh, what came out just anyway, but yeah. But well, after that, after that bit in Savage Dragon, they actually uh, apparently they had filmed it, or maybe they had they filmed themselves having sex at a different time. I don't know. But in any event, there was a sex tape, and the joke was that after they burned this DVD, Malcolm hid it in the box for Speed Racer because that way nobody would watch it. <laughs> 
And so, like, that's that's the biggest, like, anytime anybody mentions Speed Racer, that's my, like, point of context at this point, is that it's yeah. it's the Savage Dragon sex tape. So. <laughs> Which seems like a solid place to conclude our discussion of, J of yes. Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. Hopefully, uh, hopefully no one decides. We're like, oh, let's see how this episode ends. What the fuck? <laughs> Actually, I hope, I hope everybody does that. I might Actually, put that in the yeah, show. Might, yeah, everybody will listen then. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> all right, so Zach, yes. uh, we haven't done this in a while. So where can people find you on ye oldie internet? On uh, ye old internet, uh, well, you crank up the uh, internet machine, and you can go over to the twitters um, and find me at ZD Roberts, um, or on Facebook at Zach D Roberts, uh, and see my pretty photos, um, which aren't all just sad photos from people getting beat up uh, at <laughs> zdroberts.com. <laughs> Uh, and, and pretty much the same thing with me. You can, you can find my, uh, you can find my Twitter account at Russ Burlingame. And from there it'll, you can find links that take you to like my work at comic book and my other podcasts, uh, which include, uh, Archie digest, a Riverdale podcast. We are indeed, or at least were when we started recording this episode, recording this instead of me watching Riverdale, uh, <laughs> And, and so we're we're a little behind on Archie Digest, uh, but that that is a thing that's going to come back at least for part of this season. And uh, I also uh, I I also podcast with. I feel like there's another one. Oh yeah, Delicious Flavor, a Psych Rewatch podcast, uh, which I it's easy to forget because frankly it's been so fucking long since I put out a new episode that I I'm basically just paying to host nothing. So yeah, yeah, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I do have I do have a new episode uh, at Visu.news going up uh, probably tomorrow. Nice. Uh, but if you're on my Patreon, you can get it today. Uh, interview with uh, Brooke Bukowski, formerly of Snopes, but she started her own website now called What's True.com. Nice. Um, so if you need fact, if you need your fact checking uh, um, fix, um, you can head over there. Excellent. All right. So we will be back soon uh, because we've got so many things that we want to do. And meanwhile, Zach, uh, being that he covers politics, is going to be basically out of pocket for three weeks in, in and around the election. So uh, yes. uh, be sure to and, check and we, back. We're, we're supposed to have a guest next time, right? Yes, we are supposed Two. to have a guest. Well, not necessarily next time. If we do Titans next time or something that, that – Oh, oh but, I mean uh, next but, on the Jack Ryan. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a guest host. Uh, uh, Michelle Curran from the Hashtag TV Geek Podcast wants to be on with us when we talk about the next Jack Ryan film, which is the notorious Ben Affleck Jack Ryan film, <laughs> Some of All Fears. And so uh, – we will we will be back soon to do that. It, uh, it, some call it some call it the Gili of uh, the Jack Ryan film series. That that that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Although I, I I feel like probably there's not that many people or there's not many that many less people who like it than like the Chris Pine version. So. Okay, so maybe it's the Jersey Girl of the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Which actually, I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind Jersey Girl. But yeah, I, I don't mind Jersey Girl or some of all fears really uh but but it's it is one of those uh I'm, I'm curious as to why of all the movies that she could ask to be part of michelle wanted specifically to be part of that one so yeah. we'll we'll find that out next time so everybody who's listening uh, thank you for listening you can subscribe to us on spotify because that's a thing now mm -hmm. and uh please remember to rewind your cassettes and be back here by noon on the fifth day hey.
B-E-N.